Welcome to another episode of Multiplier's podcast. I'm Lara Aitani, Head of Digital Wellness at Multiply Group, and I will be your host for today. At Multiply Group, employees' well-being is one of our top priorities and a field that touches the lives of countless individuals, from physical health to mental well-being and everything in between. To help us navigate this field, we have with us today Gary Blowers, founder and CEO of Level Wellbeing, a UAE-based corporate well-being platform that enables people to actively manage their well-being. Welcome, Gary. It's a pleasure having you here on our Multiplier podcast. Thank you for Thank inviting you. me on. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So, Gary, let's start. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? I mean, what made you dive deep into the corporate wellness field? Yeah, great question. So I think it, it really, I guess it starts all the way back at school, right? Um, I was always very active, uh, always playing football, 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 playing it at school, playing it on the way home, playing it after school, but not just football, basketball, tennis, cross-country running, athletics, you name it. If I was moving, I was happy. Um, and I think as you grow up, as you move through university and through your career, you forget some of the things that made you happy. Um, and for me, like I said, it was moving and being active, maybe an element of competition in there as well. Uh, definitely, I'm very competitive, but using my body, moving my body, and that ultimately made me happy. And I think as I progressed through university and, and, and went into, into business, things took over and things got in, in the way of, of, of doing that. So let me give you a couple of examples and, and a few things that kind of got me here. So during my uh, my degree, I had to do a, a placement year or a year in industry as such. I did international business and management, and I chose to go and work on Wall Street in New York, which was a, a bold choice, some said. Um, made even bolder because it was in 2008, and just as I arrived, the global financial crisis started. So I got to witness some incredible things, but I also witnessed a melting pot of stress uh, and burnout. And I got to see what, what that stress does to people. And it doesn't do nice things. Uh, so that was one thing. The second thing was uh, out of university, or actually during my last year of university, I started my first business, a, a marketing agency with one of my, my friends at, at uni. We grew that business in the UK and, and we expanded it here to the Middle East in, in Dubai in, in 2015. And when you're in a, a consultancy or a professional services business, you get on a treadmill and you just keep running and running and running and you can't get off. And that ultimately... Uh, led to me burning out. And that was a real eye opener. So how did I get into the, the well-being or the, or the corporate wellness industry? It was one through, you know, seeing the impact of stress and burnout and, and you know, um, strain on individuals at the workplace through my time in New York. And, you know, secondly, and perhaps most importantly, my personal experience of, of you know, working too many hours, not prioritizing my health, be that physical or mental and ultimately burning out. So I decided to take a, you know, make a hard stop, uh, start again and, and do something very different, which led me, you know, led me down the path of, of creating Level. And here we are nearly seven years later. Perfect, Gary. I think post-COVID, you know, stress and burnout has really increased. Uh, and in the last couple of years, we've, we've seen that. So I think that's kind of the right solution that everyone actually needs uh, when it comes to corporate well-being. So Thank you for that. So Gary, uh, tell us a little bit about Level. So we know Level Wellbeing, it's known for its innovative approaches. So can you share with us some key principles or innovations that maybe sets Level apart from its competitors? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, you know, first and foremost, 
we didn't start uh, level um, using the business model or the or the technology that we have today. Um, we started as a as a well being services marketplace in in 2017 2018. Iterated that, grew that, and then 2020 the pandemic hit, and that was it. Overnight, the business model was was pretty much made redundant. And you know, you hear all of these stories, and actually, just listening to a podcast on the way here from uh, Brian Chesky and the Diary of a CEO, and thinking, you know, hearing about how they laid off 25% of their staff. That's like 12, 1500 people overnight uh, because of the pandemic. And we had a similar, you know, similar situation. We were much smaller, uh, but we had to pivot very quickly. So um, where we are today, and what we started building in, you know, the beginning of the pandemic to to now is is ultimately a, a holistic um, well-being platform you ask about you know our innovations or what makes us different uh, I'm very proud of the fact that all of the content on the platform is is original content produced by level um, and the team of brilliant experts and coaches that we have within our networks so I think that's definitely one of the things um, I think secondly um, you know we're building peer-to-peer engagement features into the app because you know it Level shouldn't be responsible for driving organizations' uh, well-being initiatives or programs. It ultimately should come down to the organization and the individual. So we want to pair the two together and and create that peer-to-peer engagement, and and build that community and that and and create those journeys for for individuals and team members to go on together. Um, I think another thing is our our partnerships. We've been fortunate to create some incredible brand partnerships, such as Cigna Healthcare, uh, Mercer Marsh Benefits. And more recently, you may have seen the Atlantis Dubai partnership that we have, um, you know, with some incredible content created on site at the two Atlantis properties and a digital well-being studio within Atlantis the Royal, which is just you know the most spectacular property uh, or destination I've you know ever seen. Um, so th- those partnerships give us great content. They give us you know credibility, but they also give us distribution that that not many others uh, can have in the space. And then I think finally. Um, you know, we're, we're living in an increasingly technological world, um, but people crave more and more human connection uh, and shared experiences. So to solve for that, we've created um, our own smart studios, uh, well-being studios that leverage our vast library of content, but create spaces for team members or level members to come together and do a session together, whether that's meditation, uh, yoga, Pilates, HIIT, shadow boxing, Zumba, you name it, you can do anything on the Level app, but in these smart studios together. So um, I could probably go on, but, you know, they're the things I'm, I'm most proud of, you know, right now and, and certainly know that they set us apart from, from the crowd. Yeah, and I can, um, I can also say that one of the key advantages of Level is bringing people together, right? So this is what we've seen so far. So that, that's great. Absolutely. Building a community of, of people who really are passionate about wellness. So Absolutely. And, and, and also influencing those that are perhaps not quite so passionate. Yeah, um, because, yeah. you know, in an organization of 100 people or 1,000 people or even just 10, you know, you've got many different personalities, many different cultures, beliefs and, and backgrounds and all of those well-being journeys will be different. Um, so how we create both physical and, and digital spaces for people to come together and support each other is really, really important to level. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Gary, in your opinion, um, what do you believe are some of the key benefits of integrating corporate wellness a program or maybe an initiative within, within a company? Well... There's a lot. <laughs> um, I think that's the, you know, there's a lot of benefits. But I think the first one is is obvious but perhaps gets overlooked um the benefits of a, of a well-being program in an organization are healthier happier employees right that should really be the 
top priority of every organization, although it oftentimes gets overlooked mm -hmm. um, because of KPIs, because of projects, OKRs, special initiatives, you name it. Um, you know, the pressures of being a public company or a startup, you know, they're all there. Um, but yeah, you know, healthier, happier employees will ultimately lead to um, greater productivity, um, increased longevity and retention, um, increased employee engagement, which leads to improved employer MPS scores. The list really goes on. Um, but take it back to the top. Um, healthier, happier employees will give any organization the best chance of succeeding in whatever its mission is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And this indirectly also affects the overall healthcare cost on the company, right? So when people are healthier, that means we spend less on treating people, you know? So of course. I think yeah, I mean, I mentioned the things that, that improve or increase, but also you can look at the things that, that decrease. Like yeah. you say, time away from the office, yeah. absenteeism, um, trips to the doctor, use of medical insurance. So you know, that, that all of those things we're working towards, um, I guess, aggregating those benefits, if you will. And I mentioned we work with Cigna Healthcare very, you know, very closely. Um, you know, we've recently, in fact, yesterday launched a program with them and their health card members that rewards their members who are actively managing their well-being with a discount on their renewal. Um, and the more active they are over the 12 months, the higher the discount, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know, people, you know, we're starting to reverse the trend of healthcare costs just going up all the time, regardless of who you are. We're now kind of putting the power back a little bit in the individual's hands to say, if you take care of yourself, then you will benefit in, in other ways too. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Gary, one thing I think uh, a lot of employees maybe worry about when it comes to corporate wellness programs is that usually a lot of employees are resistant or a bit skeptical about maybe uh, you know, uh, taking part of these programs. And it's it's mainly because a lot of them worry about their data being shared with, mm -hmm. with their employers. How do you address, you know, these kind of uh, uh, skepticism or maybe how do you prevent them from happening uh, and maybe encourage employees to actually participate uh, in, the, in these programs? Yeah, no, great question. I'm going to maybe tackle the end part first. So I firmly believe both from our own experience within Level and, and you know, witnessing what happens with our clients is that um, for a, a well-being program or a strategy um, to succeed, you first have to have absolute buy-in at a leadership level. You know, the C-suite, the management team, the leadership team all have to lead by example when it comes to um, prioritizing their own well-being and that of their team in that order. Um, because it's all well and good. Someone's saying, oh, everybody should prioritize their health and you know, do the health check and, you know, go work out or go meditate, but they do nothing themselves. Yeah. That doesn't work. So, you know, leadership is, is super important. It's actually probably the most important, um, you know, influence behind a successful well-being strategy or program being implemented on a sustained basis. And I think, again, one of the things we see a lot of is is kind of um, seasonality or, or, or crazes or fads, if you're when it comes to well-being, we have fitness challenges or step challenges or whatever it might be, and, and they come and go. And that's dangerous because, you know, well-being isn't important mm -hmm. one month or one day of the year. It's important every single day. So leadership is super important. Secondly, it's around culture within the organization. If you have a culture that, that champions uh, burnout, you know, working crazy hours, responding to emails at 3 a.m., blah, 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 that's going to have an impact over time. Um, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, business is, is business and it demands you all of the time, but it's how culturally 
you know, boundaries are created, positive boundaries or, or guardrails, if you will, to allow people to go and do what they need to do, walk the dog, you know, spend time with their kids, go to a yoga class, whatever it might be. And again, culturally understand that everybody's different. And finally, just to build on the point that I made earlier, it's around consistency, just really making sure that it's not a, a campaign thing, but it's an actual kind of cultural, deeply rooted thing within the organization. If you have those things, mm-hmm. you have a chance. Um, on the other side, on the member side and the, you know, the concerns around data privacy and, you know, data sharing and, and data protection, et cetera, it's a, it's a legitimate concern. Um, you know, you understand why employees or, or team members would, would have those concerns because they don't want, they perhaps don't want their organization or their manager to know what they're doing or why they're doing it or how they're feeling. Um, so the way that we've attacked that is by anonymizing data and aggregating at an organizational level, but you would never be able to tell who did what or when or why or how, because you don't see any names. Uh, you don't see any departments. You don't see any job times. It's just grouped together to show an organizational view. So we've, you know, obviously over the years, we've had concerns from members to say, how are you using my data? And we show them. Um, and once they see that, they see the data is, is truly anonymized and aggregated at a, at a group level, then their concerns are, are much less. So, you know, I think, like I said, it's, it's a legitimate concern, but we haven't seen that it's stopped people from joining Level or engaging with the app and, and doing what's right for them. Uh, and in actual fact, you know, by, by um, eliminating or, or maybe reducing their concerns on a data protection level, we've given them the, the motivation to go on and, and just give it a try. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very valid and very important point because ultimately data shapes everything that we do. Um, so we, we obviously have the individual member data, the group member data, and that drives all of our decision making and everything else. But, but yeah, on an, on an individual level, member level, you know, data privacy and protection is, is absolutely paramount. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think, as you said, it all starts up with the leadership, right? So absolutely. once you once you tick that box, I guess everything flows. So, so yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, last question, Gary, looking mm-hmm. ahead, how do you envision the uh, future of the workplace? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, we we label ourselves a, a workplace well-being uh, platform. And the truth is, you know, the workplace has radically changed over the last three years, right? So COVID totally and utterly destroyed old ways of working, you know, like office and workplace playbooks were ripped up overnight. And I think we all remember those days of, you know, working from home, days and weeks and months at a time and using zoom for the first time or teams for the first time so yeah, i think we're still in a in a period of, of reshaping when it comes to workplaces um some organizations you know want their employees back in the office five days a week mm-hmm. some offer total flexibility i think the you know level level is an interesting one because we are remote first i would say uh, in that we don't you know, we don't have a, a typical office. We have our well-being studio in, in Dubai that, you know, a number of our, of our team come together on a regular basis. And I think that's the point. You know, human connection, as I mentioned earlier, is is only going to, you know, uh, grow when it comes to the demand of, of workers and, and people that are joining organizations. They want to connect and meet with other people. Um, so I think, you know, creating spaces, creating studios that enable people to connect and collaborate and, and ultimately, you know, take care of their well-being is, is definitely a, a big part of the, the future of, of the workplace. Um, and the second thing is, you know, I don't want to say technology, but specifically AI. Mm. Um, you know, I think as we see increasing use of tools, 
um, that optimize, um, you know, workplace processes or, or jobs even. Um, you know, I think that those two things will work, could work together or work against each other. And I think the organizations that will win will embrace, you know, tools, you know, artificial intelligence and all of the great tools that exist today. And then in two months time, two years time, there's going to be even more tools that, that will exist. And that will you know, radically transform again, the way organizations work. Mm. Um, but if you use that as well as maintain this idea of human connection and bringing people together, then for me, those are the organizations that will win. Yeah. Um, but not one at the expense of the other or one without the other. It's how do you embrace technology, but also create moments of connection and, and belonging within employees. If you do that, then I think, you know, future organizations and their workplaces will, will be very successful. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, do, you, do you see any kind of challenges that, are, that might happen within that, you know, within that whole, whole field? Yeah, I mean, a couple spring to mind. Number one, it, it's hard for organizations to embrace radically new technologies, right? That's mm. why startups exist. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, how organizations embrace it, how they adopt, you know, new um, working practices, new tools is um, very challenging. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not going to happen overnight. I think the other one is, you know, a lot of organizations, particularly the en larger enterprise organizations that we've worked with and 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 have kind of um, partnered with, they have a, a huge excess of, of corporate real estate. Um, so it's how they reimagine that and redesign that. And um, you know, one of our one of our clients and, and partners, Standard Chartered Bank, um, you know, they've done tremendously well in in reimagining the workplace of the future and, and bringing people together and. And creating, um, you know, connection and collaboration spaces in what used to be either old offices or, in our case, you know, we've transformed an old banking branch into a, a digitally enabled well-being studio. So, how corporate real estate leaders, particularly, or you know, business leaders, think differently about how they use space, physical mm -hmm. space, and not just assume that a desk should be in there, um, is definitely a challenge. But actually, I think it's an even bigger opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we see it happening now. You know changing the real estate into an actual... We see it all around yeah, us here. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, no, absolutely. Perfect. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this insightful information. It was really a pleasure having you here. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you. Thank you.